God's deliverance in our lives and that we are no longer slaves to fear. Amen. And now we are part of the family of God. Amen? Amen. Well, welcome to all of you this morning. It's good to have you with us. Um, I did want to say, don't forget to come next Sunday. We have uh, some parents dedicating two children. And so you want to be here to support the Gatlins as they do that. It's going to be a fun time. And uh, so please make sure you're here next week. So this morning I'm doing something that's uh, going to be different for you. It's also different for me. Um, our annual meeting today is following the service, and as part of my duties as pastor, according to the bylaws, is that every year at the annual meeting, I'm to provide a report. And I have found that when the report is done in written form, that very few people outside the governing board, and sometimes even people on the governing board, uh, don't necessarily read the report. Um, in fact, I, I learned this at my former church where I was pastoring. Uh, we had a guy that, uh, he was a rules and order kind of guy. And uh, one time at the annual meeting, he, he was, seemed frustrated that he didn't think anyone had read the port, reports. And so he stood up and he said, raise your hand if you read the report. <laughs> and guess what? He and I were the only two that had read it. <laughs> so... So anyway, uh, this year, the pastor's report is being given right now uh, in the form of a hybrid with some ser sermon. We're going to have some Word of God in this message as well, but uh, we're going to report some things to celebrate from the past year, also take a look forward to see where God is going to take us, hopefully, here at Oasis Church. Uh, so there are several reasons I chose to do it this way. As I mentioned, a lot of people just don't read the written reports if we do it that way. Um, but why didn't I do this during the annual meeting and not during the service? Well, for one, it'll make the members' meeting following the service shorter. <laughs> so that's good. But more importantly, perhaps, we have many people who attend our service who are not members and so may not stay for the meeting. Also, people online who can hear this, but we're not going to have the meeting online. So, uh, of course, anyone is welcome, as Kevin said, to join us at the members meeting, um, even if they're not members. Uh, but at, at any rate, we want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to uh, hear what, what I had to say this morning. So, is that me? Am I doing something? Test, test, test. Maybe it was, huh, okay. Uh, there's one down here. Let's try it one more time. I'll try not to move too much. Okay. So uh, another reason is that many Sundays we have visitors who may wonder what Oasis Church is all about. So if that is you and you're a visitor this morning, uh, or if you're visiting our church online, did you know that's how people visit churches a lot now before they come? They want to see if, they, if they're weird or not, so they watch online first. Um, so if you're watching online, uh, my hope just is that everyone listening will have a better understanding of what Oasis Church is all about. And if your heartbeat for the things that we are about matches our heartbeat, well then perhaps we may be a step closer to you becoming more involved at Oasis with us. So let's begin. Though I want to talk for a bit here uh, about candy canes. <laughs> what can we learn from candy canes? 
Um, and uh, that might sound a really weird way to start rather than a scripture, but you'll, hopefully you'll understand. So um, you might have been thinking, well, okay, he's going to tell us now about these legends of the candy cane and its meaning and the stripes and so on, but no, I'm not going to do that. If you have, have already heard something like that or if you haven't, you can go look that up on social media or somewhere else. There's articles out every year about the candy cane. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm interested in is a question that I asked myself recently that might seem kind of weird to you, but this is just me. I'm kind of weird. Um, and I often make observations about things that become a question, and then the question becomes a focus of research. It's just my personality. I love to go research new things and find out new things, sometimes very odd things. So uh, usually if I'm talking about something that, uh, a question that came to mind and I wanted to research it, if I'm talking to this group, it's usually something about a scriptural passage. But this particular curiosity I developed actually on its face has nothing to do with the Bible. But nevertheless, I thought it could be used as an illustration to flow through this report. And the question I was wondering and pondering was this. Why are the colors red and white associated with peppermint? Why? Uh, the peppermint plant or leaf has actually got no red or white on it. There's no flowers or anything like that on it. It's a green leaf. And yet, if I handed you a red and white candy cane or one of those little round candies, one, or even one of the softer ones with red and white, you would have certain expectations what that candy would taste like, right? If I handed you a piece of candy with that well-known shade of red against white, and it tasted like something other than peppermint, you'd be surprised, wouldn't you? And I'm not sure if it's the same way in other countries. I didn't research that. But I can tell you, having traveled through many states in this country and lived in several of them, that whenever I see a red and white candy, uh, especially the little round hard candies, or a candy cane, or a peppermint stick, I know before I put it in my mouth what I should expect it to taste like. If I was handed a red and white round candy, just as they used to give sometimes at the meal at your restaurant, do you remember that? They used to... They've gotten so cheap now. They don't do that. But uh, they'd give you a little mint after your meal, so your breath would be better, I guess. But if you handed me one of those, and I put it in my mouth, and it tasted like licorice, or it tasted like Dr. Pepper, I would feel like a fraud would, had been done on me, right? Uh, on the flip side, if I handed you a purple candy, or a black candy, or a yellow candy, and you put it in your mouth, and it tasted like peppermint, you'd probably be suspicious. Why does this taste like peppermint? It's not red and white, right? Well, why should these things be? Well, because for some reason in our culture, the peppermint flavor, at least when it comes to candy, is in our minds and our senses linked directly to those colors, red and white. And as I pondered why this was, I didn't find a definitive answer. So I'll let you down again. Uh, one article said, well, a candy maker had always made his peppermint candies white, and one day some color was added or accidentally spilled in, and some say it was a happy accident and all these things. And some say, well, the red was to represent the blood of Jesus and the white his purity, and I've heard, I read that. But I could not find a conclusive reason 
that satisfied me about why the colors, white and red, are so linked with peppermint that we would all feel put out if they were suddenly unlinked. What does this have to do with Oasis Church? Or us, or anything, right? Well, here's what I've been thinking. If we, Oasis Church, would have some quality that was so clearly linked to us as individuals, as a church body, that like that peppermint with the colors red and white, people would know us with certainty and connect us clearly with our Lord Jesus and with this local church, what would that be? What traits, what characteristics should we have that such that people outside, whether other faithful believers in other churches or unbelievers that we encounter in our families, our workplaces, and our schools would say, oh yes, I've heard of Oasis Church. And when I see you and when I talk to you and when we are together, I'm always reminded that you are in Christ and part of Oasis Church. What should we be known for? What should stick to us like red and white on peppermint candies? I think it is this. A love for God's word and a desire to grow in God's word and a passion to share God's word with others. You see, what I love when I am thanking God in my prayers to thank him for is the work he's doing in your hearts and giving you a common love for these things. And we, all the leaders are seeing this happen. And Paul told the church at Corinthian about something uh, he thanked God for, and we find this in 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 9. Paul writes to the church, and he says this, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's not good. Okay, I'm getting it out of my jacket. Maybe that's it. I'll start again. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge. All right, I'm going to switch to this. I'm going to switch there. All right, sorry. One more time. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 9. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So let us thank God together for a moment as we reflect on some things he's done in and through the believers of Oasis Church in the past year. We've had some great new beginnings. And I've said this before that in a sense, Oasis Church is like a church in redevelopment.
a lot of transition in a very short time. And a big part of that change was pastoral transition. Now, it can be rough on a church any time there's a pastoral transition. For Oasis Church, you had two pastoral transitions in less than two years. First, Pastor Randy and his wife Alicia felt called back to the role as international workers in Uruguay. And in the wake of Pastor Randy leaving, Pastor Michael was brought in as a transitional or interim pastor. And eventually, the church offered him the position to stay, but he was unable to stay, and so the pastoral search team began the process all over again. Long process. And <laughs> Gary's nodding. Yeah. And eventually they called me, and I got here last June. Now, you who have been through these transitions deserve to be recognized. If you stuck with Oasis Church through all that, you beat the statistics. You see, the normal statistics are that roughly one-third of a church body will leave when the pastor leaves or when a new pastor comes in. It's just an across-the-board normal statistic. Now, I would argue that shouldn't be the case. If the pastor left and a new pastor comes in, you should stay at your church. But inevitably, people do leave during pastoral transitions. And for a church that had two of these transitions in a very short time, the potential was there for the church to go into dramatic decline. That potential was there. However, our sovereign God is not done with Oasis Church And so he had appointed some of you to be here throughout the transition. And many of you helped with keeping the ministry going, whether keeping facilities maintained or helping with administrative tasks or serving on a board and just giving as well, even when there was no pastor. And I especially want to recognize your elders, including Winston, who is still an elder in my mind, even though he retired. Um, But... Winston, Ron, Kevin, and Brandon uh, should be recognized for staying the course. Uh, Also, for the pastoral search team who did months of work before offering Pastor Michael the permanent job, only to find out he needed to move out of state for family reasons, they then got back to work, basically start the whole process again, And it was a very careful and deliberative process, and they filtered through a number of candidates. And many of you may not realize how much work these board members, the elders, and also the pastoral search committee, and also the governing board members did, and do today even. And I want to recognize them. They deserve your thanks because you probably have no idea how often and how many hours the governing board meets and the elders and these other committees as well, not to mention deacons and others. So restarting after COVID was the other factor besides transitions of pastoral leadership. Churches all over the world faced many challenges with the pandemic. And these challenges included how to respond, uh, or for some churches, they had to respond to unreasonable government demands. In some cases, If we meet, we're going to get arrested, right? And so there was a lot of challenges around the world. Some areas were less challenging than others. Um, There were social distancing requirements or mask requirements or different things like that. And the biggest challenge, I believe, among this, 
was that many, many members within the body of Christ disagreed about the best way to live with the coronavirus. And still today. And sadly, many people have had bitter disagreements about these things, whether it's mask use or vaccinations um, or church functions. Should we still have them in person or should we not? And I have spoken with pastors, many pastors, that have had people leave the church because they asked people to wear masks. And I've also heard from other pastors who had people leave the church because they chose not to require masks. I'm thankful that at Oasis Church, where I know there remains disagreement on the handling of the virus, yet there remains unity in the main things. And that is, our unity comes from being in Christ. Not what camp or tribe we fall in, whether it comes from understanding of the virus and how to live with it, or from other disagreements that are secondary to our main focus And our main focus is that we are one in Christ. We are those that Paul writes of in Ephesians chapter 2, starting at uh, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Now, granted, Paul was writing to the Ephesian church. He's in this context talking about how whether you're a Jewish believer in Christ or a Gentile believer in Christ, you're one in Christ. But we can take that application even further. And so whether you're a masker or a not masker, or you're a vaccinator or a not vaccinator, if you're in Christ, you can still be united as one. I am thrilled to say that I have witnessed in this church what is unusual as I talk to other pastors in the amount of unity despite those disagreements. So congratulations for that. That's living out God's word. So we did not choose to be legalistic regarding virus protocol, um, but I believe that we can agree to the extent possible we need to be in community with one another, remembering what was written in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So I want to thank all of you, some who are well aware of the disagreements, and some may have uh, disagreements still about some of these things, because being one in Christ, we can show the world how we can live with each other, even in unity with one another, despite disagreement on matters that aren't doctrinal. So that's a good thing. The next thing we did in this past year is probably the one I'm the most excited about is that we are obeying scripture with our D6 program. Um, We've chosen to make this a pillar of our ministry at Oasis Church. One of the things that I hope will stick to our Oasis family like the red and white on the peppermint 
is that we, as obedient servants of Christ, are going to continue to make the teaching, explaining, and challenging through the Word of God among our highest priorities. Of course, we are choosing to obey the scripture that D6 is named for, but here is something to keep in mind if someone asks you, what is your church all about? You go to Oasis Church, what's, what do they do over there? And here's what I've been telling people. In fact, just a week or two, I shared with a visitor as we spoke in the poster, and I pointed at that poster, and I said, you know what church, Oasis Church is all about? That. We are trying to obey Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. And in case you need a reminder, it says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is what we are committed to obeying. And already I have heard many of you tell me that you're growing. And I've had parents telling me their kids are engaged in the learning. And that's something to be excited about. Another thing to celebrate from our past year is we've welcomed some new members. Um, 11 new members this year. And I have already heard from others who are interested in membership as well. We will have a connections class again after the holidays uh, for those interested in membership. But adding members is a good sign of church health. Of course, only the adults are members. So along with the 11 new members, we also welcome several children as well. Uh, Three of the couples that became new members have young children. And that's a wonderful thing. Next, I just want to quickly highlight, and if I left any ministries out of here, I, I I do apologize. It's, I don't always remember everything, but in the past year, we've uh, seen some great things happen. Uh, Operation Christmas Child uh, had another successful um, year as we were a pickup site for the shoeboxes, and you guys supplied a lot of shoeboxes and had a packing party. Uh, we had some of our men do the prison ministry, uh, which is an awesome ministry, and you heard from that. Um, some great testimonies. Uh, we've had a number of Bible studies, youth ministries. Um, Leland does a fantastic job of making sure that every encounter with kids involves teaching them something from the Bible. And not every youth ministry so-called does that. So be thankful for Leland and his commitment to God's word and bringing it to those kids. Um, the deacons and deaconesses have done an enormous amount of work, and, and I, well, I'm not going to name them all, but the two chairpersons for those is Gary Dernlin as the deacon chair and uh, Judith as the deaconess chair, and you guys have worked so hard, and I'm so thankful. Um, and, and you guys see some of what they do, but there's even more that's done behind the scenes. Um, they did the turkey baskets. They've... Um, or the Thanksgiving baskets for people uh, just recently. Uh, they do all kinds of things. I know they send cards to new visitors, all kinds of stuff. 
that you probably aren't aware of. Um, and the deacons do all kinds of maintenance on the church uh, and keep it looking great, and so that's good. So those are all things to celebrate from the past year or so. But now we want to also look forward. What we need to do and continue to do and build upon here at Oasis Church. So first, we must continue our faithfulness to Scripture. Would you agree with that? We want to stay on that track. Colossians 1, 9 through 14, Paul writes, So from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's exactly what we want to have said of us and we want to be a part of that we be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual and wisdom and understanding so that we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and fully be pleasing to him. That's something that I want, as long as I'm the pastor here, it's going to be a main focus here at Oasis Church. We're going to continue to make God's word, teaching it, learning it, making disciples with it, proclaiming in an evangelistic way. Those are the things that we're going to keep doing. But we're going to take another step. We want to always take one more step. As I thought about this, I've, I've been to a lot of these you know, annual things where someone's saying, here's all the things we expect to do. And sometimes it's just, you know, numbers that are so high, they're not even attainable. You know, like, oh, we're going to add 50 new members. Or we're going to do this or that, you know. I'm asking us to just take one more step in several areas. And this is going to apply as a church as a whole, but also you as individuals. Um, probably less than half will get this reference. Uh, but I enjoy watching the old Columbo mysteries. And one of his catchphrases is, uh, one more thing. You know, he comes back into the room, one more thing. I'm asking all of us to consider how we can do one more thing for the Lord. Okay, so Philippians 3, 12 to 14 says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God, in Christ Jesus. It's interesting that I just went through a bunch of things we celebrate and we should celebrate. And what does Paul say? Ah, forget what lies behind. In other words, don't rest on your laurels, right? The Lord has a lot of work for us to do still. And so we want to do that, like, like Paul said, press on toward the goal. So we want to go one step deeper into Scripture, so I'm going to encourage you, if you're not already involved in D6 or other Bible studies, get involved. Uh, this is how we grow together. Um, 
also, if you don't have a reading plan where you read from Scripture on a daily basis, develop a reading plan. We've got some I can suggest to you if you need a start. Um, but the best thing is just to start somewhere. Start where you don't get overwhelmed. And then one more thing to get deeper into Scripture, and this will put you a little out of your comfort zone maybe. Plan a discussion about what you are learning from the Lord each week with someone, whether it's a family member, a close friend, someone else in the church. But, but let's take a step forward in God's word. The next thing that I'm going to challenge you to just do one more thing, get to know one more neighbor. And of course, Jesus was asked the question, who's my neighbor? And what was Jesus' response to that question? The parable of the Good Samaritan, right? And uh, really, biblically, who is your neighbor? Every other human being. (laughs) Okay? It doesn't matter who they are or where they are. We are all neighbors with one another. And so I'm encouraging you to get to know one more neighbor. And, and when I hear the word neighbor, I'm usually thinking of the neighborhood, right? So I'm thinking of my people that I live in proximity to. But neighbors are everywhere, and they are everyone. And so we want to get to know one more neighbor, both in the church and out of the church. So here's something that I think that uh, I want to challenge you with. In the church, reach out to somebody in the church that you don't know very well. People who have been here for a while, sometimes it happens that you don't feel a need for new companionship because you've got your old crew, right? You've been here forever. Um, Make plans for fellowship with our new members and with our visitors. And I'm thankful that we've had people in our congregation where visitors come and they say, hey, let's go to dinner after church. And that is very nice. I, I, I encourage more of that. And even if you're in here for the very first time, um, you can welcome people to Oasis Church. Did you know that? If, if you just walked in for the very first time today, you could act, say to someone, welcome to Oasis Church. And I learned this from one of my pastors. His name was Gary Wildman. He passed away about a year and a half ago from COVID. But he said whenever he was on vacation, he would always make sure to go to church. And whatever church it was, he would turn around and say to someone, hey, welcome to Grace Church or whatever it was called. And uh, he said sometimes people would look at him like, I've been going here 40 years. What are you talking about? I need to welcome you, (laughs) you know. But... But I want to encourage that. That doesn't matter how long you've been attending. You can uh, also participate in welcoming other people. Um, And uh, I think we'll all find that to be a pleasant thing. Um, So visitors, go beyond your shyness and ask someone how you can get involved to get to know someone as well. So who is your neighbor? Everyone. All of humanity. So get to know another human being. Okay, make that your goal. Now, don't start with a goal that says, I'm going to know 12 new people by next month. Because some of you could do that, by the way, and I know you could. But a lot of us, we need a a goal that's more like one at a time. You know, I'm going to get to know one more person. Um, And if everyone here intentionally worked to get to know one more neighbor, the reach and the impact of Oasis Church would be amazing. Really spectacular. But remember that it's the Lord's work. 
You know, Paul said, one plants, one waters, but the Lord produces the growth. And all we're to do is just be workers in his field. All right, the next thing to do, one more thing. Step beyond your comfort zone for Jesus. So again, this applies both inside and outside the church. This goes beyond just knowing someone's name, their occupation, and their hobbies. All those are easy, right? We need to have a boldness to share the gospel with people who need it. And we need to have a boldness to speak truth into other believers' lives that may be blind to something that they're missing and need to hear, okay? So go one step beyond your comfort zone for Jesus. Then we want to go one step beyond the church walls. Sometimes it's easy to give within the church where you're comfortable. There's nothing messy really about giving a check or even a shoebox or as long as you don't have to deal with someone's pain or tragic circumstances firsthand, right? A lot of us would just prefer that. Hey, someone else is going to go deal with those people if I just write a check. That gets me out of the, the work of it, right? And we can feel like a sort of therapeutic or cathartic experience when we support a mission uh, that's in another country or in another city um, or to make sure that a, a pastor is paid or elders are there to deal with difficult situations. But here's the truth. All believers are called to uncomfortable situations where we help people who are annoying or stinky or people who can't seem to get their lives together, and yet we are called to bring the gospel to bear in their lives. All of this goes back to goal number one, which is to grow and know the scriptures. So how can we guide someone who has deep spiritual needs if we are not well ourselves? Physician, heal thyself, right? If you were taught that the Christian life is some comfortable life of ease, you have been taught wrong. My district superintendent in the North Central District, where I previously was, he challenged us as pastors to embrace our discomfort. I, don't, I didn't like it when he said that, by the way. But we need to embrace the awkwardness of having difficult conversations or dealing with someone's pain or sorrow. These aren't easy things, but we're called to this work. The next thing to keep in mind is that every believer is an evangelist. Some of you know I once served in the United States Marine Corps. Um, it may not be obvious to you now based on my physique, but I was. <laughs> and the Marines have a saying that every Marine a rifleman. Every Marine a rifleman. In other words, no matter what occupation you had within the Marine Corps, every Marine was proficient to fire a weapon. So that no matter what your job was, if the going got tough and you needed to grab a rifle, you'd know what to do. For believers, every believer is called to evangelism. And this is an area I really want to have Oasis Church step up in. We now have a great framework of biblical preaching and teaching in our regular get-togethers, and I am thankful for that. But we have not done very much in the area of personal evangelism or community evangelism. So in the coming year, we're going to talk more about that and how we can find opportunities 
And we don't want to just talk about it. We want to take action, right? And so my hope is that we will have many opportunities for individuals, for groups, as teams, to bring the gospel to other people. So let's all agree to keep a prayer focus on evangelism, that God would fill our hearts with a passion for the lost. Because let's be honest, do we always have a perfect passion for the lost? No. I mean, I'm looking at Gary, and I'm not calling you out, but that week of prison ministry, you've got a passion for the lost. Does it say the same like that all the time? No. We need to pray that the Lord will actually give us that heartbeat for the lost all the time. Because in our flesh, we, we have hills and valleys, right? We need the Lord's help. So let's keep a prayer focus on that. Let's ask that God would fill our hearts with a passion for the lost and that he would give us opportunities and training to present the gospel. And that's something that I think we will be working hard on in the coming year. The next thing that every believer is, if you weren't uncomfortable enough already that every believer is an evangelist, every, and these go together hand in hand, every believer is a disciple maker. And just, so... Uh, we sometimes forget when we, we say, yeah, we're Great Commission, Great Commission, Great Commission. Um, but the Great Commission is not just to share the gospel. The Great Commission is to make disciples. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen to 20, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And that's sometimes, uh, for good reasons or bad reasons, people forget that part of the Great Commission. Oh, it's just about sharing the gospel. No, it's actually about sharing the gospel and then actually teaching people how to live the gospel. And that's what I think we're working and trying to do. So in that passage, Jesus, who has all authority commissions each of us to go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all that Jesus himself has commanded. And this with a reminder that he is with us. I'm almost done. I just want to thank you uh, for your giving. Um, Because of your giving, your faithful giving, the reliance that the church has had in our budget on lease income has been greatly reduced in the past year. And it would be really great if we were able to come to a point by next year's meeting where we don't even have to rely on lease income when we put our budget together. That would be a really good thing. So with God's help, I think we can get there. Um, And we're going to have more information uh, in the budget, in the annual meeting here shortly about the budget and the current finances. But I do want to thank you because it's amazing to see what the Lord has done uh, we did lose a lease that was uh, a pretty good chunk of our, our annual income. And um, largely that was made up through your giving. And so we're thankful for that. So last slide here is one more step together. Let's keep in mind that none of us are supposed to individually live out the faith and try to do all these things. We need to do it together. And so this is something that I think we always have to remind ourselves in, is that uh, community can kind of slowly drift apart. Some of you that were really tight together maybe four years ago are less tight together now 
for various reasons, right? Um, but we need to make a very uh, concerted effort to make sure that we are doing our faith together with other people. And so that's why we want to provide the opportunities here uh, through all of our other things that we do. Um, but I, those, that's the, the last of my challenge to you. So uh, I want to just close with a word of prayer, and then there's going to be uh, one more song we're going to sing together. And members, please stay after that. If you're not a member, you're very much welcome to stay after that, and we're going to have our annual meeting um, which shouldn't take too long because most of you are going to want to go to lunch. But uh, we will have a, a, our meeting shortly after this last song. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for all the good things that you have done through your people here at Oasis Church. And Lord, we know that without your spirit, none of this happens. That you, by your Holy Spirit, have given people a passion to go deeper into your word. I thank you for that, Lord. What a delight it is to be leading this congregation where people truly want to get to know you better. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that people are receptive to the preaching of the word and receptive to the teaching. And Lord, this is not superficial stuff we're doing. We looked at a lot of scripture in in D6 this morning. We're going deep, Lord, and we thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you've given so many great people to the ministry of this church that serve in so many different ways. Bless them, Lord, for all they've done for you and give them the strength and energy to make it happen again and again as we go forward. Help us, Lord, to do these things that we're being challenged to do. Give us a heart, Lord, for the lost, a passion that would not, so that we wouldn't stop until we had met, met the need of presenting the gospel to every person in our spheres of influence. Lord, help us to remember that neighbor is everyone. That as we look around at people in our community, as uncomfortable as it may may make us feel, Lord, that we would say, they're my neighbor. What does Christ command me to do? Help us to live out this faith, Lord, in a manner worthy of our calling empowered by you and guided by your word. In Jesus' name, amen.